In this podcast, I will be having conversations about where our experience of life comes from. My goal is to support GPs in the overwhelming job that they do. The good news is that you can hang up your superhero cape and let go of needing to be everything to everyone. Today, I'm in conversation with Dr. Nadija Karalage, a GP colleague who um, works with me in the primary care transformation team. So welcome, Nadija. Could you tell our listeners something about yourself and the roles that you're involved in? Yeah, sure. Well, um, hi, Joe. Thank you for for um, having me on today. It's really good to be here. Yeah, my name's Nadija Korolagay. I'm a GP partner um, at the Mayflower Medical Centre out in Harwich in Essex. And I'm also a clinical associate for um, the general, well, the primary care transformation program with NHS England. Yeah, I think we're both trying to get to grips with the new name for our team, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, and Nadija, we did have a chat a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I've been really impressed by the extra roles that you've taken on at various times during your career in general practice. I thought people might be interested to hear what you have done that's outside just being a general GP and how that has helped you to um, enjoy the time that you spend in practice. Oh, thank you. That's nice of you to say. Um, yeah, I think I've always been interested in, I don't know, learning something different and seeing what else is out there. And I guess that started when I was a medical student, because I knew for me back then, probably wasn't right for me to intercalate in, in some super science-y um, intercalated degree. So um, at that point, I looked at medical journalism, which was brilliant great opportunity kind of working with the bmj and reporting on events and conferences and reviewing even tv programs just seemed really fun and different um and then yeah when i qualified i did my foundation years and, and worked out in singapore in emergency medicine just for a bit of a difference really just to see and learn about a different healthcare system and a different way of doing things um, but I have done some pretty traditional bits within my career as well. Um, after Singapore, I started training in emergency medicine. And that's such a full-on career. I was really aware of when I was starting to feel a bit overwhelmed or feeling a bit burnt out. So we'd look to kind of adding other skills, um, such as peds emergency medicine, and then also working as a sexual offences examiner at a SARC. Um, which was a role that was partly funded by the Met Police and partly funded by the NHS, um, looking after people who were who, who'd been raped or sexually assaulted. I think it's I think it's really important to find what gives you energy, really. And for me, that is learning, um, surrounded by people who who really know what they're doing. Um, and I, I find that really, yeah, really inspiring and energising, kind of learning new skills and in new roles. 
Yeah, it sounds really great because um, emergency medicine, as you say, is so full on, isn't it? And I think it has the potential while exciting you to drain you as well if you haven't got that extra kind of element of yeah Yeah. it was exactly that that attracted me to it actually the variety of it but you know if you have I suppose one kind of unrelenting exposure and stimulus it can be a bit overwhelming so I suppose in A&E I would spend you know you spend really as little time as possible with critically unwell patients but then as a sexual offences examiner I would spend hours with someone who was you know totally medically stable but then there was a lot to a lot of work um with them so it was it was different type of work but the thing that tied them both together I suppose was that there was a real need there you were you were adding value by being the person or the clinician that you were so it made a difference that it was you doing this role um and, and you being there um and then after after that work I decided to make the transition to general practice really because I suppose, yeah, after spending a few years in emergency medicine, you start to feel, uh, well, I started to feel as though what I could do, the impact I could have was limited. And there were these wider system drivers to use some QI speak um, or wider things at play, really, that had an effect on what you were doing. So I wanted to work in a field where I could influence those wider system drivers so that's why I applied for general practice training but then in between what was really helpful as well was I worked for a health tech startup Um, so it was in the private sector and again that's a totally different health setting yeah and we're you know, we were institutionalised a bit in the NHS. So I don't mean that in a bad way necessarily at all. Um, it's more that we're used to doing things a certain way. So it was great to find out actually if, if the pay around the service you're providing is driven by the client or the patient. So those limits are removed a bit. What can you do for someone? So it was very helpful to look at things differently. But I mean, I've I've personally found that the private sector wasn't for me, but did learn some really helpful lessons there before coming into general practice. Yeah, it must have really kind of expanded your horizons and, and given you a different view of practice. Absolutely. I mean, some of the things I remember us working on my instinct would be no that's that's ridiculous we can't we can't do that that's it doesn't make sense it's not appropriate and I would you know think oh that's not appropriate it's not I suppose it's not ethical but then you kind of think why isn't it why isn't it appropriate why isn't it the right thing to do um and you keep on questioning yourself 
and whether or not whatever conclusion you come to at the end of that it's a really good process to go through questioning yourself what is your aim here and why are you doing what you're doing what is what what are your priorities and if it is really the patient's need that's your priority and what the patient or client wants there and you can understand you know we all want things that don't often fit nicely within guidance or guidelines yeah. and if it's right for an individual we make it truly patient-centered then that can be the right thing for this person even though it might not be the right thing for the majority of people or another patient even so lot lots of lots of issues really to weigh up isn't it in that difference between working in the health tech in the private sector and then coming back into the NHS and while you're in um, a speciality where you can see the patient as a whole being and and be very patient-centred um there's still the the guidelines that we're supposed to follow and and that is a lot more constrained than it has been in the past. Yeah, and things that drive that as well will be funding because you have to think about funding for the whole community um, or wider population. Yeah, it's um, I, I suppose these are the challenges that we face in primary care now. And the skill is still trying to do what's best for the patient and also communicating to them why you're doing what you're doing, how you're navigating the system. Yeah. And do you find that the, that the experience that you've had in other fields has really added to your communication skills, and your ability to get that over to patients? Oh, well, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Like, I hope that <laughs> you know, the journalism experience um, has added to that and working with different populations of patients has added to that as well. Um, it's difficult to think objectively about that, however. Um, but yeah, I, I hope I hope that would be the case. Who, who knows, I suppose. what I do know is that increasing experience and exposure to different environments for me anyway makes myself feel more settled and comfortable and so I can go to a conversation or something with confidence I guess yeah that's brilliant really yeah well, that's you know that's the that's the aim. We don't always feel confident all the time, but then there's other things at play as well, aren't there? Well, yes, and and in many ways, I think uh, we have to put ourselves across as being confident, don't we? Our face to face with the patient, whether it's in emergency medicine or in general practice, or you know, in whatever kind of context that we are. The last thing that we want is for the patient to feel that we're not confident in what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And uh, thinking about how stressful general practice is at the moment, and many of our colleagues are really overwhelmed. And 
you know, the, the demand is so huge that I wonder how it's helped you to know that you've got days of the week where you, you're doing other things, you're not actually in the practice and whether you feel refreshed coming back in. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I think, or it sounds, from, from social media um, and from talking to colleagues, it sounds like some of our colleagues are feel can feel quite overwhelmed and that they're drowning in this increasing workload in general practice. Um, but with, and, I don't know, all you want in a job is you want to have the resources to do your job and, and to have that impact and make that difference by the end of the day. But I suppose those resources are being squeezed and that day is getting longer and longer and things that you leave till you know you get home before you open your laptop up again or, or till the next day. So you're catching up with some kind of backlog that can feel very dissatisfying. It's important to find the right place and your your right fit for me anyway we're all different people and some people it might be that a fully clinical week is is what they need but i i just know that being able to switch off that computer at the end of a clinical day and have a different type of work on other days where i'm using varied parts of my brains my, my brain not brains <laughs> i've only got one like everyone else um really helps and refreshes me when I want to come back to that clinical work it makes me more focused when I come back to it personally yeah I I would definitely share that in the my days when I was in general practice that having the you know time doing other things and engaging different skills I think and experience makes all the difference doesn't it yeah, and it's I'm so grateful for the clinical work. It's my GP partner role that I'm I'm aware I I can't let go of right now. It you know it gives me credibility and um, the ability to go on and do other roles, bringing that experience with me. So I go I go to these other roles with that behind me and that backing me up, and I'm. I say it's credibility, it's this perceived credibility by everyone else. So I can come to a table, I can say, this is what I do, this is it. But then really what I bring to that table is possibly something else, something that's recognised and it d definitely does open doors. So I think there's a lot to be grateful for working in, in primary care. I would absolutely agree with you. And while, while it brings that credibility, as you say, you know, you're bringing other skills and experience to those roles that you wouldn't necessarily use in primary care. I mean, I think um, I felt for a long time that we're very privileged, actually, especially as GPs, in that there are so many different things that we can apply ourselves to. And think you know some of the things that you've been involved in. You know the the journalism, um, really exciting stuff. I think, and you know, emergency medicine and you know the the sexual health. 
a lot of those things are just so exciting. What, what about the quality improvement work that you're involved in now? Yeah, so that um, came by, well, I suppose I can say quite easily it came by chance, but I suppose <laughs> there's a bunch of situations that open doors and take you down a certain path and um, you're somewhere that you couldn't have predicted. So when I was doing my GP training, someone, well, one of my training program directors recommended a leadership and commissioning fellowship and that really broadened my horizons and it was the first time that I can remember although I'm sure it had happened before that someone had was kind enough to kind of see something in me that wasn't really aware of myself some skills and suggested something to me and I took them up on that and applied for it um and actually I think that's really special because that's how we take people with us right that's how we spread goodwill if 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 nothing else but how we can inspire other people around us so I did this leadership and commissioning fellowship and had the chance oh it felt like I had some investment in my development Um, which I probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to do otherwise. I got to shadow people um, and join some networks. And one of these networks, it was Next Generation GP, actually, someone there told me about a course, a a quality improvement course, I thought sounded really interesting. And of course, quality improvement is about making things better in in general practice. Um, So making systems and processes more efficient or helping with the tricky conversations or workforce issues that you need to move forward so everyone feels like their head's a bit more above water and things are a bit slicker so we have a bit more time to enjoy our work and deliver best care for patients um so I got involved in that and that led to another course which I didn't really know I didn't really know much about it at the time but having done this kind of slightly longer faculty induction course with the then time for care program um, I was approached to see if I wanted to join the faculty and I didn't really know what it was at that time but I'll always be so grateful for that person kind of tapping me on the shoulder and saying do you want to do you want to do this and the reason why I've hung around with the faculty since is that that's the attitude within it. People see things in each other and they say, do you want to get involved in this work? It's really, you know, interesting work. It's, it's working with this regional or or national um, facing project uh, or whatever it is they're working on. Um, And you can develop those, different skills and find yourself doing something quite expected so for example I hosted our recent primary care improvers um, community conference and I never thought that that would be me doing something like that I mean I'm not massively confident at all I don't have the type of personality or education that makes you confident in your own skin but working with people who had confidence in me has been so changing and has given given me that I have to say, I would never have guessed 
uh, <laughs> being involved in that conference that you weren't feeling confident about it. You came across as incredibly confident and competent. Well, confidence, it's this bizarre concept, isn't it? There's things that give us confidence, like um, knowledge and being a bit brave or working out what what's the worst that can happen, really. And so if you deal with the things that I suppose is in your path, those practical things, then the appearance or illusion of confidence comes with it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And that that's brilliant, really, that you've gained so much confidence. I mean, who's to say what's real <laughs> and, and what's imagined? Does it really matter? Is there a difference? Um, yeah, good question. I think there's a lot of this stuff that's in the eye of the beholder, isn't there? Yeah. Um, I guess I would, I, I come to things, or I used to come to things thinking oh, I'm not confident enough and I have to kind of work on that a bit. Perhaps the issue for me is that I feel I'm not credible enough or I don't have the knowledge. So if I can build on that knowledge mm-hmm. and the credibility, then I, I come to it feeling comfortable at least. And, and that might be, you know, if I think I'm the right person to do something after doing all the groundwork, then hopefully that's translated. Yeah. So actually, you're putting in a lot of work and making sure that you know your stuff, aren't you? You you know what you're about to do and how you're going to present it. So once you're in your stride, it's hard not to build that confidence, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's brilliant. Really. I and I'm really enjoying the work that you and I are doing together as part of the faculty in terms of something that's uh more um organizational development perhaps than quality improvement, but work to help a primary care network to get themselves in in position to be able to engage with the quality improvement work, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's brilliant working with you and Sarah Cheeseman as well. Um, because we all have different experiences and different skills that we're bringing. And this is what, this is what it meant about these environments being the ones that I enjoy, because if you can work with someone you know, work, work with a nice team who are really good at what they do. Mm. You're very, you know, you're very happy in that team because again, you have confidence in them and you can learn things. You can learn things as, as you go. And I think that's the most fulfilling work, work that, that you learn, you develop your own skills in as well as bring what you can. Sorry, that's a, a ambulance yeah. or something outside my door. <laughs> yeah so yeah I and I was thinking that um having time during your week where you're actually focusing on what's happening in other practices and other primary care networks 
also gives you the opportunity to see how other people are doing things and what you can take back to your own practice to improve and enrich what you're doing. Would that be fair to say? Yes. I think everything takes time, though. So, yeah, it is easy and it's quite nice as well to compartmentalise things a bit. Um, And I'm I'm learning that you can't really take it all on. Um, And if you want to take more on, you need to kind of map out the time where you're going to do that. So so there'll be my own practice. There'll be the QI or it or OD work elsewhere but if I try and combine the two or bring something from that to my own practice you can't just add it on to the end of the day it takes you know the proper planning and thinking and time to do that um and there's so much out there there's so much we can do there's so many so much good work we can do it's I'm learning now how to kind of step back away from that a bit and not try and solve all the problems I suppose and deal with everything because there are some bits that it's nice to close the close the door on as well and I know I think I was thinking about this with a previous PCN I was working on because with all the change all the flux in general practice it's all too easy to say right let's do everything now and it can you can be lost in the lack of momentum of moving things forward if your projects are so big so it's really nice to kind of prioritize well even if you're sticking to just quick wins or something prioritize things and chip away at it to move things forward so you can feel that you're accomplishing something and you're making some progress so yeah a lot of work to do um, probably in all practices um, given the demands are just changing so rapidly right now yeah and so huge and as we've mentioned but it's great that you're developing that ability to say no to some things or not yet not now and pacing yourself so you're not actually taking on too much because i'm sure that that is um a, a bit of a temptation wherever you can see quality improvement to be made <laughs> yeah I suppose so but yeah also it's nice to step away nice to step away as well I think um that's something I've learned in the last two or three years because I when I qualified in general practice I CCT'd into this pandemic and I'd just done my fellowship so I um had all this enthusiasm and ideas and plans from the fellowship and then qualified in March 2020 and everything just really slowed down and stopped I thought there'd be opportunities everywhere but everyone of course was taking a step back and really prioritizing COVID and and the issues that were coming up around that Um, and I was really disappointed but then what I've realized is that these opportunities do come they do happen as long as you keep on I don't know, reflecting and seeing what's right for you and seeing how things feel. Because I think especially for early career GPs, you can feel like you've messed up or you know failed a bit. If you go, you make a decision, take something on, and then decide 
maybe after a few months it's not quite right for you but that is you know that's just you're evolving your working week and your style and how you want to spend your time what kind of work you want to do so I'm kind of getting used to that now because there's been a, a couple of roles in the last couple of years um, that I've stepped into and then thought this has been great but actually it's been a year and it's time for someone else to take on that role so it's time to step back and see what I need to do next and I think all the time you kind of whittle away at what you want to do how you want to spend your time and that's why now I've got these two roles um and that gives me a bit of time in the week because I've got three-year-olds as well um so a bit of time in the week just do the other things um that I need to do in life as well like spend time with your three-year-old yes yeah (laughs) spend time with him get to the bottom of the laundry basket you know all the normal things that actually when you're doing a lot of work it feels a bit impossible yeah I I mean you you've touched as well on a really important thing in this conversation which is about noticing opportunities when they come up and taking them even though they seem not to be going in the direction that you thought your career was going in and also evaluating things and saying no enough if it's not the right thing at that time Mm. now I suppose in a way it's like getting into medicine you have this idea of what being a doctor is like and it's only when you're working in that role that you really know what it's like so I suppose you can say well in you know I've I've CCT'd my in five years I'd like to be in this role in 10 years I'd like to be in that role but it's okay to be wrong about that stuff and say actually this isn't this isn't for me and I think if you keep on sense checking and just changing your course a little um, and taking the path that feels right and the path that gives you the right kind of energy and makes you feel good and like you're having an impact or whatever it is you want want to feel then you end up being in the right place you end up just like working you're maneuvering your way through lots of options to to get to the right place and I feel like right now I'm in the right place for me now I'm sure you know it won't last. It won't be the case. So I'll have a different week in ten years' time. But right now, it it feels good. I think it you know it's it's a bit of finding the right fit, especially in general practice where every GP surgery is totally different or can be different and can feel like a different place to work, even though they might be geographically close together. But also thinking about what you want, and you know, coaching has really helped me with that. I mean, I'm I'm one for trying anything, and and so there's been lots of free coaching offers, I suppose, over the last few years, and I've signed up to all of them. But now have found the most amazing, most wonderful coach who um, I really click with, and so I feel like it's the right space for me to do that work and figure out what I want um yeah that's brilliant yeah and it's great to hear that you're in exactly the right place for you right now actually that's brilliant 